the Ghost Goal Podcast. We're easing back into the Premier League after the last international break of the 2021-2022 season, as Liverpool, Manchester City and Chelsea will all face bottom half teams Watford, Burnley and Brentford respectively. There's a couple other tasty fixtures coming up this weekend as a struggling Manchester United side will face similarly struggling Leicester. Tottenham will host a resurgent Newcastle and Arsenal will travel across London to face Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to a landmark episode of the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 350. Vamos, uh, vamos, Peru, vamos, vamos, a ganar. was just about to get there. But I was going to say, let's pat ourselves on the back. Let's pat ourselves on the back here, Javier. We'll take a moment. 350. That's uh I don't know how we got this far, Alex. (laughs) I think, did I join? I I feel like I joined around 100. Is that where, like, 100, 100? 20-ish. Yeah, somewhere around there. I, I mean, was doing a lot of think, guest debuts around then, and then I suddenly started becoming a regular. But it feels it feels like that was so long ago; it's almost out of my memory. So, I mean, the the first time you started doing like regular pods was around 2018, just before the World Cup that you went to. You you and I did the whole uh, group by group previews for that uh, because I think Andrew was moving up to New York around then, so uh, he wasn't. You know, it wasn't a great time for him to be doing weekly pods, and uh, you know, I, I think I think it took like another couple of months, maybe after you got back from the World Cup, for you to you know become a regular fixture. But haven't looked back, Javier. We just uh, we, we followed the three hundred fifty episodes, Alex. That's that's a lot. That's most people when it when like they probably end their podcast around 200, 220 episodes. We keep going. Who knows what the, the love of the game podcast will keep going to. We, we might get to a thousand the one game, day. Javier. Yeah. <laughs> one day. <laughs> We're still doing this in our 40s. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just doing we'll like the basic math in We'll probably still be doing head. this in our 40s, Alex. <laughs> I mean, it would be, it would be, I, I enjoy it. It's a nice little, uh, you know, side, side gig we'll, to, we'll be you big know, time ourselves into Don't worry about it, week. man. We'll be having big time view, like... When we hit we, the thousandth episode, we don't even I guarantee need to be big time, we'll be big time by then. Don't worry. I about enjoyed it. enough just sitting here at almost midnight on a Thursday night with you, uh, bullshitting about the Premier League for free. That uh, you know, I'll keep doing it even if we never make it big time, Javier. So uh, thank you for being a part of a big chunk of this, and also shout out to Andrew if you're listening or not. Shout out to Andrew for uh, you know starting this with me yeah, Andrew. back in the 2016. And we know you started your season. own podcast and done your own plus money thing now. Yeah, and he couldn't he couldn't hand with hang with our 40 minute episodes any longer. He had to cut it down to 15, which I don't blame him. It's uh, it could be a lot, especially every week. But yeah, we love doing it. So. Uh, yeah, you, but yeah, you, you thank you for getting us, getting us getting uh, us started, Andrew, and we hope you're listening to this one. I mean, I'll send it to him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you mentioned Peru. Uh, we do want to do as an episode 350 sort of uh, bonus feature uh, on this one, uh, and obviously because of the timing of the almost finali- finalizing of the World Cup field, so there's still a couple of spots left to be decided. Uh, we thought we'd do like a way too early World Cup prediction. Uh, by the time this comes out on uh, Friday morning, you'll probably know what the the World Cup groups are going to look like. Most of them will look like. Uh, but we're just going to throw out like the teams that we think are going to win the World Cup and 
know, maybe a surprise team. There's always there's always the one surprise team, you know, like Croatia getting to the final last time. We're just going to throw these out with literally no idea of what the actual groups are going to look like. Uh, and yeah, we'll see how they look tomorrow morning. So there, well, before we do those picks, Peru, they're one game away from getting to the second World Cup in a row after 30 years of uh, not making it to any World Cups. I think they'd have to beat either Australia or the United Arab Emirates, who other, whoever wins that playoff game between those two teams. I'm guessing you're pretty confident about Peru's chances of beating one of those two Asian qualifying teams and getting through, but uh, how are you feeling? Very, you should be very proud. What I want to say is you should be very proud. I am very proud. I mean, I have to say... I, I really did not think Peru had any chance to make this World Cup because if you look at where Peru was at a couple of years ago, you know, like midway through World Cup qualifying, I know Peru did okay in the in, in the Copa America. We, we made it again to the semifinals with Gareca. Um, and, but, but honestly, before that Copa America um, in 2021, Peru wasn't looking good. I mean, we had... We lost 3-0 to Colombia, 2-0 to Argentina, 2-0 to Chile, 4-2 to Brazil. You, you had a similar Paraguay. It was, you had it was a similar a start to the run. last World Cup qualifying though, right? It was like a very slow start and then you guys had like one bad, I think, we I think it was were the like Chile ninth game. or 10th. We were almost bottom of the group after half the fixtures had been played and I mean I really didn't I really thought Peru wasn't going to go anywhere and I thought we were stagnant. Then that Copa America happened. And yeah, Peru had that really bad loss to Brazil, but then right before the Copa America, Peru beat Ecuador in Ecuador, which was crazy, beat Colombia in the Copa America, you know, drew with Ecuador, beat Venezuela, and we got to the semifinals where we only lost 1-0 to Brazil, which I mean, if you know Brazil and South America, that's that's kind of royalty. That's you know, that's that's pretty crazy to only lose to them one 0 And we've we've put up a good fights against Brazil and Argentina in these last few Copa Americas. Once we came back from that Copa America, Peru was a completely different team. You saw this uh, Gianluca Zapadula, who you know plays in 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 Lapadula? Syria. Huh? Lapadula. Lapadula, yeah. You, you uh, just he, called him he, Zapadula. Is he? No, uh, no, I said Gianluca Zapadula. Or Lapadula, I did say. Yeah, Zapadula, you did say. Nice. You just said it again. Damn it! All right, I just said it again. Anyway, he he came onto the team and he completely changed the way this team looks. We were still relying on Paulo Guerrero up to that point. I didn't see like another striker emerging in the team, as well as like a young midfielder in uh, Sergio Pena, who has been kind of a revelation for for Peru in the midfield. And then we've gotten some huge wins since then. I mean, we were. Able to beat Chile two 0 at home. Um, the the win in Colombia. That's the one you have to look it, at. It's gotta it's gotta be the win in Colombia that that we talk about here because, I mean, that's really what pushed Peru to to make it to this World Cup. Because I mean, can you think of a team like Colombia? You're jinxing it. You're jinxing it. You're. I'm trying not to jinx it myself here. Uh, that's why I mentioned that you guys still have that one more qualifying game against either Australia or UAE. I, I, you should make it through that. Obviously, I, I'm not. We're saying gonna you won't, beat those like, fucking teams, Alec. Okay. We we made right. it over a team. Hold on, just let me let me tell you some of the names on this this Colombia team that didn't go to the World Cup. They had Radamel Falcao, Luis Diaz, Barrios, uh, Davison Sanchez, Yeri Mina, 
both of who are starting center backs on Premier League teams. Juan Cadrado, who starts for Juventus. James Rodriguez. Um, I mean, I can I can keep going here. They have, you know... There's uh, Luis Muriel. Duvan yeah, Luis Zapata. Muriel and Zapata. And I mean, the, the amount of uh, very talented players that this Colombia team has and for Peru to go over them is... It's kind of an incredible achievement. I mean, I, I really didn't think Gareca could do this. I was almost on the Gareca out before that Copa America. We got to a semifinal, and he, he just completely turned it around in these last seven or eight fixtures. And, I mean, I'm hopeful again for this World Cup. I'm feeling to myself, not that Peru can really go anywhere, but maybe get out of the group stage this time. If we don't get a group of France, Denmark, Australia, you know, and... Yeah, I mean, you, you you would have you you would be a part four team at the moment. We know we know the parts that they'll be drawing the groups from. Again, you guys listening to this, you'll know what the group most of the groups are going to be by the time this comes out, because uh, I think that's happening Friday morning, uh, U.S. Eastern Coast time. Um, so it may sound ridiculous. You may get a group of death, probably will, since you're a part four team, but. You're probably one of the better pot four teams. Just, just so. as big as that. Okay, so the the win in Colombia was by far our biggest result in qualifying, but just, almost just as big was getting a draw in Ecuador, because sure. we literally we got that fifth place by one point. Colombia had a better goal difference. They had the head to head on us because they beat us three nil in the first game. So it, it it really was. There was just so many different results that we had to get to get to this point and. I really never thought Peru was going to do it. We qualified over Colombia, Chile, Paraguay. I mean, these teams have, have star players in them. Like Sanchez, Vidal, those players, they're still playing for Chile. And this was, you know, they had a mix of the Brereton Diaz guy, the guy on Blackburn who's been destroying the championship. I mean, to qualify over these teams is going to give Peru a really big boost coming into the World Cup. And hopefully we can we can beat UAE or Australia. I'm, I'm fairly certain we will. And then if we do... um. Yeah, just excited to see what the groups look like tomorrow because Peru can get a group maybe with like the U.S. or Qatar. Or... That's, that's a great segue, Javier, because, yeah. uh, you know, we, we, we are an American-based pod, even though, you know, neither of us two like root for the USA as our team. It's not that I root They're against them. my second them, team just... in the World Cup. I root for Peru first. USA second. I, I, root I, for uh, I do have dual nationality, so I'm allowed to root for both. Sure. Yeah, but they, they did seal their qualification, even on a sort of somber note with that 2-0 loss uh, at Costa Rica on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, but I, like, I, like I said on Twitter the other day, right after the, the final whistle went, Ireland could lose like 9 or 10-0 in their last qualification game for the World Cup and still make it in, and I would be ecstatic. Like, getting to the World Cup, we ha- Ireland haven't been for 20 years. I you will cry been, when we make it next. It was 35 years since Peru had been to make it to possibly, knock on wood, to back-to-back World Cups would be an insane achievement from Goreca, considering the power and, and the like, the star power and the the teams that are in South America right now and the the format. Just It's kind of unthinkable to finish in fifth place back-to-back um, you know, World Cup qualifiers, like you said, especially after how we qualified. So... Having and said honestly, all of that, having said all are, of that, are you still going on Peru? Because we've moved on. <laughs> no, I've moved on. I said, having okay. said all of that, um, I wanted to give you guys my predictions on possibly the team from South America that's going to go farthest in this World Cup. I don't know if they're going to win it, but Argentina, man, I mean they they're unbeaten in this World Cup qualifier. So are Brazil. They they just won the Copa America. 
but it kind of feels like they're they're a little bit of a team of destiny right now, where I know this is like kind of Messi's last hurrah. He hasn't done well on PSG, but he he's remained a, a constant threat and, and amazing player on Argentina, and it feels like this is the first Argentina team that is kind of ready to. I mean, they won him his first trophy, and it feels like maybe they're ready to 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 bring it home to make Messi the greatest player of all time by giving him his World Cup, you know? That's what I want, Alex. What do you think of that? You, are, you South Americans have the weirdest relationship with your, your top teams. Like, like you go head-to-head with them. You have, to, you have to play Argentina and Brazil twice in qualifying every four years to get to the World Cup, and yet you still suck those teams off. Like, ah, yes, I love them still. I want them to win the World Cup. Like... All the big teams in Europe, like, I don't want anything to do with England winning a World Cup. Like, France, I still have a lot of hatred for them for the Thierry Henry handball. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. It's just a weird relationship that you, uh, so that the, you guys so, have. So the one thing that this difference about this Argentina team that I think people won't, like, recognize coming into this is they're not going to have that crazy front line that we've seen from them in these past World Cups where they've had like Tevez, Aguero, Di Maria, Messi, Iguain. They're a more balanced team now, yeah. They're much, much more balanced. They have players like Nico Gonzalez playing in the front three with Messi in the middle. And then this this young kid, Julian Alvarez, who just signed for Manchester City. He's 22 years old. It's 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 just a very raw team right now. And I don't know what to expect from this Argentina squad. If they flame out, I'd be very disappointed with them, but it feels like this team has enough hardworking players. They're all just focused on making playing through the best player on the team, which they haven't been up till this point. And if somehow they can they can get behind Messi, I think Messi's gonna have a special World Cup and, and take them all the way. So my like way too early prediction for this World Cup is that Argentina wins it. So the same shit that, you know, People have been saying about Argentina for the last like four World Cups. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, the one thing I'll give you is that you know the, the current identity of that team, which is a more defensive, solid identity. Like Twenty three year old Alexis McAllister from Brighton is starting for them now. Like, the, it just doesn't feel like the same, like anything close to the t- previous Argentina teams we've seen now. Well, I was going to compare it to the 2014 team that got to the final. That that team was a very defensive team. Yes, they had a lot of attacking players in the squad, but they they weren't. That wasn't the focus of the team. They may have had those players available, but you know everything was still very low block. You know, catch teams catch teams on the counter, and you know take advantage of Messi's brilliance. I mean, he's not that same, you know, mid to late 20s, like prime Messi anymore. But, you know, there's enough players around him to sort of do the rest of the the hard work that, you know, that that could work. I'm not saying it's a it's a bad pick. I'm just you've just traded in Brazil the lot from the last World Cup for Argentina just because they won a Copa America recently. I, I'm going to go with Germany. It's uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but Hansi Germany Flick, didn't make it out of their group last time, Alex. Let me hear. Yeah, this. I know. Because uh, because you, you know the you know the deal when you win a World Cup you don't get out of your group the next time, so, and that was literally the first time in the modern format of the World Cup that Germany hadn't made it out of their group, so, uh, they're a pot two team this time around so it's a high likelihood that they're going to have uh, you know a pot one team alongside them that's going to be very difficult to qualify again this sounds ridiculous to speculate on before the before the groups are decided and when people listen to this those groups will be decided but 
I'm not focusing on the matchups. I'm focusing on the introduction of Hansi Flick, the former Bayern Munich manager who obviously managed Bayern Munich to that, what was it, like six trophies in the one season. They won every single trophy they were uh, you know, going for that year. It was only two years ago. They won the Champions League. Uh, he's got obviously many of those same players. He's the guy who's basically brought the best out of Serge Gnabry. And now he's starting to find his feet with this. Uh, he's fully embraced the three at the back that, you know, has gotten the best out of so many other German players like Antonio Rudiger, Kai Havertz. Yeah, they'll likely have to move away from a player like Timo Werner between now and November when the World Cup kicks off. But they have so much talent coming up that, like, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, by the start of next season, we're looking at a player like Adeyemi from uh, Salzburg. He's he's probably going to make a move this summer, and he'll burst onto the scene to be at the forefront of everyone's minds. And uh, by the time the World Cup rolls around, that I, I mean, also you're you're never doing you're never picking badly when you're picking Germany to win a World Cup. I I, I don't care how bad their last one was. They succumbed to the the curse of the World Cup winners not getting out of their group. Basically, all. What it, what it tells you is don't pick France to win this World Cup. Don't even pick France to get out of their group. So while, while I like your pick of um, Germany to possibly win this World Cup, I think it might be a little too early for them. Um, it might be. Yeah, I, I completely concede that. But I feel like, I'm like you said, those play, players like IDME, even like Kai Havertz, it's, it's a little bit too early for them. I, I feel like Kai Havertz. I don't think, I don't think it's too even early Timo to Werner, Kai Havertz. Even well, Timo Werner. I feel like Timo Werner No, but what I'm Kai saying Havertz, is Timo Werner is going to be out IDME, of the picture by then. I think they're all going to be at the peak of their powers in two, four years from now. And I think Germany's still a little bit in transition where they still have players like uh, Thomas Muller, who's like an important part of that German team. And obviously, like it's, it's always been a mix of Muller, veterans and Muller might talent. not be there anyway. Dude, the front three, when we get to that World Cup, I'm pretty confident it's going to be uh, Sané, Havertz, Nabry. That's, I mean, Werner's been struggling That's not for bad. That. He has been, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, Werner will not be a part of that German national team. How about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's my pick for, for the winner. Who do you think is going to be your surprise team? You know, when we're thinking of so this... My surprise where, team, and this probably won't be a surprise to a lot of people, but is uh, Canada, who this is their first World Cup in 30-something years. Canada hasn't been to World Cup in my lifetime. And um, frankly, this Canada team is chock full of young talent. Players like Jonathan David, um, like Davies on Bayern Munich. Alfonso Davies, yeah. Like uh, that Lauren kid who plays for Besiktas, I think. Kid. Yeah, he's 26 years old. I'm seeing now, Um, but it just feels like they've got a good amount. uh, Jonathan Osorio plays for Toronto FC. You know, he won the league with them a couple times. I know that winning MLS is not that big of a deal, but it you know it it feels like winning North American or Concacaf World Cup qualifying is a huge deal for Canada, and for them to do it in such a way as they did. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 thinking I'm I'm picking them to at least you know they're a pod four team. They're going to make it out of that group as a pod four team, whatever group they're in. I feel like they're going to give a lot of people trouble and they're going to surprise people. I mean these these players are very confident right now. They think of themselves as not a favorite to win the World Cup, but like a dark horse. And I feel like a lot of people need to be watching this team if they don't if they haven't realized how good this team is yet. So 
Canada is going to be a good team for many years to come. And yeah, excited to see how they do in the Sex World Cup. Yeah, so I, I was going to say that when, when we're picking surprise teams, it's not necessarily like a surprise team to win the World Cup. We're, we're picking teams here that, you know, like Croatia in the last World Cup, a good team in their own right, but no one no one thought they were going to get to the final in 2018. Or Denmark in, that, uh, in those Euros last year, especially after the whole, uh, you know, the tragedy that went on with Christian Eriksen. For them to still, you know, after it was the first game, I think, of of the World Cup for them to still rally and, and make it to a semifinal and, you know, lose an extra time at Wembley to England. It was a huge, it was a huge, um, not upset, but it was a surprise. It was a surprise, surprise factor. So can I even have this, uh, Ike Ugbo, ex Chelsea guy? Yes. Yes. Javier. I'm surprised you brought up Ike Ugbo. Uh, I think he's moved on to playing Belgium now. Uh, he's, you know, he's had a good career now, on loan yes. certain places. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a nice bench option for Canada. But yeah, I, I like that. I mean, we'll see what their their group looks like. I'm going to go even more surprising with a team that hasn't even officially qualified for the World Cup yet. But because of recent events and, you know, I, I've been predisposed to liking this team for many years now. Before the, the tragic events that began a month or so ago, I think Ukraine are the team of destiny. I may look like a fool in June when they uh, finish their World Cup qualifiers. They're still part of that play-in tournament. They'll have to play uh, Scotland in Scotland in June. And if they beat them, which I think they can do, then they would have to play Wales, who uh, who just beat Austria, I think, in their, in their playoffs. So they beat those two teams. Again, very tough. I may look like an idiot, but if they beat those two teams, they're into the World Cup as a pot four team. And this generation of young Ukrainian players, they just went to the quarterfinals of the last Euros, beat Sweden in a in a knockout round. They've got players like Yoman uh, or Roman Yeremchuk from uh, Benfica, Ruslan Malinovsky from Atalanta, who's an attacking midfielder slash striker. Uh, Alexander Sinchenko, Premier League fans we're very familiar with. Uh, Yarmolenko, obviously, still only thirty two. Mikola Shaparenko, a box-to-box midfielder for them from uh, Dynamo Kiev and uh, a, a recent addition to the Premier League in Vitaly Mikolenko, the left-back that Everton just signed in, in January. Those are a couple of players. There's there's some others like Stepanenko at, at Shakhtar Donetsk and players like that. It's not it's not so much about the names in the team sheet, which to me, I, I mean, they're not they're not like world-famous names, but they're Is still Andrzej very Shevchenko promising, talented coach, players. Or? No, he, he left that position. I mean... Everything's in flux after the invasion, uh, but he, he left that position. I think he's working in sort of like a, a peacekeeping capacity um, or, you know, trying to more of an administrative capacity with the government uh, now for Ukraine, trying to be like a conduit between the Ukrainian government and, and the English government. So I understand there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding this squad and, and who, would, who would blame them? But it's, the, it's for those reasons, similar to the Christian Eriksen thing with Denmark, that I think is going to drive this team to qualify. And then once they qualify, I mean, months from now, who, who knows if they'll even be able to go to the World Cup? I, I don't know. We, we have no idea what's going to happen. It's going to be in November by the time this World Cup rolls around. And who knows what the whole situation with the, the war and everything is. But if they go to this World Cup, the whole world will be behind them, other than Russia, obviously. And... I can promise you they'll put a shift in at the very least. And I think they've got the talent 
that they could absolutely get out of their group, even as a pot four team. And who knows, maybe even get to a quarterfinal or something. If, if they can do that, if they can even just get out of their group after getting to a World Cup, especially given everything that's gone on with the invasion, it'd be a huge lift to the people of Ukraine and, you know, to everyone who's, you know, su- supporting them and pretty, has pretty been behind them. Story if it would like be a happens, huge Cinderella story. I mean, Yarmolenko scored in his last couple of West Ham games. Who's to say he can't keep that momentum going in the world? Right Cups, now, so. now, now, take that, take that sort of focus and, and you know, will to compete and succeed in in their club career for Yamerlenko and extrapolate that across the entire Ukrainian national team. They've got the talent, is what I'm trying to say. I would have probably considered them for this if nothing had happened with, between Russia and Ukraine. I would have considered them for this surprise thing. And, you know, it, it could go either way. It could cause the whole thing to fall apart, and I wouldn't I wouldn't blame them one bit for that. Or it could bring them closer together and they'll, you know, go to the World Cup hungry to to uh, prove themselves and, you know, make their people proud. So hopefully they make it. I think they will, though. We went a bit over there on the World Cup stuff, but I don't really mind because, like I mentioned, we're sort of easing back into the Premier League this weekend. Uh, all of the top three teams are playing against teams like Liverpool hosting Watford. Uh, Saturday at 7.30 a.m. That'll start off the Premier League week. Uh, Then we've got Manchester City going to Burnley during the 10 a.m. time slot on Saturday. Uh, And Chelsea are going to host Brentford also at 10 a.m. on Saturday. So uh, most of the previews for this weekend are going to be made up of those those teams looking to qualify for the Champions League in that fourth spot. Do you want to start with Manchester United uh, hosting Leicester? Yeah. um, You don't want to talk about any of the predictions for like... You don't think there's any chance City or Chelsea get upset here? Probably How not. Dare you? Probably not. <laughs> I'll give. I'll what give are you a talking slight, about? <laughs> I'll give a slight shout out to Burnley here because I know Burnley play at home against Manchester City on Saturday, and we've got a few. Don't do this. A few Javier, not don't so do this. At Burnley, their, their home form is not good. Remember when we beat them four nil? But Manchester City have been fucking dicking around right now. Do you all right? All right, you know In what? what way? Fine, fuck it, Alex. I don't care about that game. But let's talk about Wolves Aston Villa Saturday 10 a.m. Of all of the Saturday games before this 12:30 game, Manchester United Leicester. The Wolves Aston Villa game looks like it's going to be a good neutral game. Do, do you remember the last time they played? It was a hell of a game. Wolves were up. Uh, wait, no, I think I think Villa were up. 2-0, and it was at Villa Park, and then Wolves came back in the second half and won 3-2. And it was like absolutely like a right. mental game. So, Obviously, yeah, this, a good is, this is Maybe like, that's this be is like a, a Birmingham area derby. Wolves aren't exactly in what Birmingham, I'm but you know, don't watch the, the City or the Chelsea game. Watch the Villa Wolves game. No, but that's yes, fair. We'll, that's, start it's, with, it's a way, uh, we'll start with Manchester It's a way better game. What do you think of Manchester United right now, Alex? I mean, are they... There's rumors of... You know, Ten Hag joining Manchester United next season of possibly, I mean, Jadon Sancho has been pretty good these last few games for Manchester United. I think he's got two goals and a couple of assists these last couple of games. He really, ever since Greenwood's been out of the side, it seems like Sancho's now the main man in terms of wing wing play and creativity and all that. He's got a little bit of a, of a run going on him. Do you think, you know, he could he could propel Manchester United here? feel like they might have enough to beat Leicester at home here. 
Yeah, I think the the lack of injuries and suspensions for Manchester United is definitely in their favor because Leicester are going to be missing players like Vardy. Also, um, United kind of being kicked out of the Champions League a little bit unceremoniously there. Yeah, it feels but like there, a, there's it's a there's good thing barely for any there's barely any room for error now because just looking at their fixtures, they've got three games before they go to Anfield. Those three games are uh, this home game with Leicester, an away trip to Everton next week and then a home game with Norwich they need max, maximum points from those games uh, this Leicester one is probably going to be the toughest of those you know despite Everton Everton away could still be tough just because of the desperation you know seeping into Everton and the whole relegation battle at the moment but you know in terms of like quality of players Leicester at home is still a pretty tough game uh, they, they could they could make it a fight uh, but Leicester are also going to be missing Ndidi is the other big one. Without Ndidi, I, I think that opens this game up enough that it could be a high-scoring affair. I, I think United end up winning it 3-2 uh, because you know Leicester are getting players back. They've got Fafana back now. They've got Harvey Barnes is back healthy and looks to be in decent form again. So there'll be some there'll be some joy for Leicester at Old Trafford. But I think this seems like a game that Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously just you know, maybe scores a brace and uh, scores the winner here. So I'll, I'll go with 3-2 Manchester United. See, I, I was going to go the opposite direction. I was thinking because Leicester now Well, that would be them out back. of top four. That would be them out of top four. And if that happens, Javier, I'll say, I'll say you guys, it's between you guys and Tom. Well, let me put it this way. I'm not really scared of Manchester United in any way, shape, or form. Um See, because I think they're going to drop points in this game and it's going to prove to everyone that they're not fit for top four. But I am scared of Tottenham Hotspurs. And I think this game right now, um, purely because Leicester have gotten Fofana back, he's been back in training now a few weeks. He played in that Europa League game. He got them the winner. Scored, yeah. Or no, Conference League, right? They're not even in the Europa League. but Right. But still, I mean, I think for Leicester, there isn't too much to play for in the league. Um, so this game is, is kind of going to tell me how it's going to dictate where they're going to go in the league in the future. So if they if they show up for this game, um, then I'll believe something they might have to buy in the future. But if they don't and they lose, you know, three one or three nil here or something crazy like that to Manchester United, then yeah, Leicester have given up on the league. So I'm not sure. I'm I'm not crazy enough to predict them to win something like this at Old Trafford. Um, but I think Paul Pogba. Uh, you get a draw. Paul Pogba's whole injury slash contract situation, the Greenwood situation, just like the the constant pundits right now, Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, all these Manchester United legends calling out Manchester United right now. It it feels like overall anything about Manchester United right now is toxic, is not, you know, adding to the to, to what they their goals for the season are, which are on the th- thinnest thread right now. So I'm gonna say two two. Manchester United slip up again here, and and that's their hopes of top four. Okay, uh, well, we should at least mention that uh, West Ham they are still part of the top four race. They're going to host Everton Sunday at nine a.m. That should be an easy win for West Ham. I love Frank, but these players you could get the ghost of Johan Alex, Cruyff we to manage saying, these we Everton players, Frank, and they would not be able to win away from home. I was saying so, that I was surprised Frank took this job. Purely because it was going to be a big hit on his reputation if he doesn't keep them up, and it it and at the beginning of his tenure it looked okay, like maybe he was going to steady the ship, 
And I know they got a win in their last Premier League game, 1-0 against Newcastle. But before that, they'd lost five straight. They had just lost to Wolves, 5-0 to Tottenham, you know, to City, to Southampton. I'm wondering, like, where, where do you think Everton... I mean, Everton are surely going to be safe this season, right? Do you th- really think they have any chance of being relegated over Watford, Burnley, or Norwich here? Yeah, I mean, there's a chance. Uh, I think they'll be okay, but most of it... I feel it, like if they even it, most struggle, of it doesn't, it's, it's horrible for Frank Lampard. Like, it's going to... Frank Lampard's going to get like, no, a it's, championship it's really not. We, next job. We've had, we've had this We've had this talk when he first joined. Like, he's walking into a shit show. The only thing you can do is keep them up. And, you know, the game that's going to decide whether they stay up isn't this West Ham game on Sunday. It's the game next Wednesday at Burnley. Uh, they're, they're level on games with Burnley and they're four points ahead of them. But if they if they lost that game at Turf Moor, then all of a sudden shit gets real scary. Also, they probably have the toughest run in of any of those teams. They, they, they still have games with uh, Watford away, another another relegation uh, rival. They still have Crystal Palace at home. That Both those games need to be rescheduled. They've got Man United, Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, Leicester again, Brentford, Arsenal on the last day of the season. So they, while they have games in hand, those aren't like give me games. They need to be winning those head-to-head games with teams like Burnley, teams like Watford and Brentford. They, they win those games, they'll be fine, even if they lose, I think, like to all the other big teams above them. Um, but, you know, Goodison Park is still enough of a weapon for a manager like Frank Lampard, who, you know, isn't the most tactically astute, but is a great man manager and motivator, uh, that he can get those players up to have like a performance here and there at Goodison Park. But this West Ham game on Sunday, I, I just think they're going to lose like 2-0, maybe 3-0. But yeah, let's move on to uh, the two teams that have a better, well, we think have a better chance of making top four. Uh, the first of those two is Tottenham hosting Newcastle Sunday at 11.30 a.m., this is a really difficult one for Tottenham. You know, I may look like an idiot come Sunday afternoon, uh, but Newcastle are a completely changed side. Yes, they've had some frustrating losses, like the one at Everton and then the 97th minute or whatever it was that they conceded. And then the game before that at Stamford Bridge when Kai Havertz pulled out a Dennis Burkamp moment of manic magic in the 89th minute. But they're a solid defensive team now that... As good as Tottenham are and as good as Harry Kane and Son and Kulisevsky have been playing, they're, they're going to struggle to break down this Newcastle team. I think they'll do it eventually, and I think it'll be another 1-0 loss for Newcastle, like they have in the last two Premier League games. But it will be impressive if, New, if Tottenham can pull that off. It will, it will show to me that there is some actual real progress being made by Antonio Conte there, and they are a real threat for top four. Uh, what are you thinking about your uh, prediction for this one? So I'm going to go a little bit in the opposite direction in terms of the scoreline. Um, I still think the result is going to go for Tottenham, but Tottenham have found their scoring boots lately, and that's that's kind of what scares me a little bit and why I think that they're the they're obviously the prime candidates to make top four as well as Arsenal, is they beat Leeds 4-0. They went and beat Everton 5-0. I know they lost to Manchester United, but they still scored two goals in that game. 2-0 to Brighton and 3-1 against West Ham. They scored 16 goals in their last five games. That's For a team that's only scored 47 goals this season, it's a little bit scary for an Arsenal fan, for anyone who's against Tottenham right now, because 
you know, this team so far this season defensively has been pretty good. It's been the goal scoring touch has been that's been, you know, Harry Kane hasn't been firing. Son's been kind of carrying this team. Adding Kulusevsky to this team has added, a, I want to say, another dimension to it because he gives them another level Absolutely. of 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 link up play, of hold up play. He lets Harry Kane come into the game more than someone like a Lucas Mora or a Burwine because he holds up the ball and he gives the ball back to Kane and then he makes a run off of Harry Kane that Hank Kane can pick off and then Kulishevsky is the type of player that if he gets the ball in the 18-yard box. He doesn't immediately look to shoot. He'll cut it back sometimes for Son or for Kane, and he's created more chances for those players while even creating chances for himself. So fantastic signing from Tottenham in, in January. It feels like all of those January signings have added to Tottenham. And yeah, I mean, what you were saying a few months ago, which was like Arsenal didn't make any signings in January, Tottenham did. Is that going to be a difference at the end of the season? Maybe. Could be. You know, it, it looks Could like be. Kulishevsky might be the type of player that makes a difference from now to the end of the season. So I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit scared of them. I really want them to, to Newcastle to get a result here. But I kind of agree with you. I, I think maybe 3-1 Tottenham. And I just haven't they, seen anyone scoring, scoring that much two, against three Newcastle. Goals every game like they have. I mean, they scored two away from home against Brighton. You know, put five past Everton, four away from home past Leeds. They even put two goals away at Manchester United. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say three one Tottenham here, and uh, if that happens, I'm I'm gonna be scared, man. Please, Newcastle, right, get well, something here. All right, well, let's uh, move on to you guys. Arsenal are gonna go to Selhurst Park to play Crystal Palace on Monday night, uh, well, Monday afternoon with us, three p.m. Last time you guys played, uh, wasn't it a two? Two draw? Am I wrong there? You guys were down, and then you came back and you know equalized at the Emirates. It's obviously a long time ago now. It but, was a lucky uh, two draw. We probably deserved to lose in that game. But yeah, you're obviously going up against one of your former greats, Patrick Vieira, managing Crystal Palace. They've Just been pretty good at Selhurst Park. City beat Wolves. Held Chelsea until the 88th minute when ZX scored the winner there. Like, that was a frustrating game for Chelsea. It's not an easy place to go and win. So, if Arsenal could go and make it look easy, that will be a very, very big indicator about uh, which way they're trending in I mean, terms of went the to, top four went race. To, to Vicarage Road one four one over there. I mean, yeah, this is this is a very good side on good form right now. And this is more of a hope than, like, what I think might actually happen. But I'm hoping now that they're at 34 points... 12th place they're above Brighton Newcastle Brentford they're not really in any any relegation trouble here you know they're gonna get ah, to the their, old the old mid-table malaise yeah they're gonna get to their 40 points from now to the end they need six more points like come on they're gonna get six points in their last nine games the, the, and they're gonna be safe the biggest game in Crystal Palace's season that's left is that semi-final of the FA Cup that they have with us with Chelsea, that's what I'm saying uh, like, I feel like weeks. now like they can kind of focus or shift their focus away from the Premier League but Having said that... Oh, is he going for the reverse jinx here? Is he going for the reverse jinx? We have been putting we have been putting teams in the bottom half of the table to the sword since December. Um, basically, since Aubameyang has been out of the team, there hasn't really been a game where Arsenal's looked up against it away from home. I mean, we were up 3-1 at Watford, 3-0, sorry. We were up 
sorry, 3-1. We were up 3-1 at Watford. I mean, this is the first time in Arteta's tenure. I don't remember Wenger getting five straightaway wins. It feels like Arsenal right now defensively are the best that they've been in years. I want to say over a decade because I want to say the last time Arsenal had this good of a back line was Sanya, Clichy, Gallus. So like 2009? And Juru. Yeah, that was like 2008, okay, 2009. Juru slash, you know what I mean? Like he was a Swiss international. Come on. Juru, Sendros. We didn't have a good center back next to Gallus at that time. Switzerland weren't that good back then. Vermeulen. Okay, Gallus, Vermeulen. Vermeulen, that's the Vermeulen. one I was Yeah, Gallus, Vermeulen, Clichy. But since that time, since Sanya, Gallus, Vermeulen, Clichy, it, it, Arsenal have not had this good of a back line consistently. And, I mean, it, we've proved it now against Manchester City, against Liverpool. I mean, we didn't – until that, that Liverpool loss, like – and even until they scored their goals, like it, it didn't feel like we were ever against the – up had our backs up against the wall like we have in the past against them. feels like Arsenal – Is Aaron Ramsdale going to be fit? doesn't matter, Alex. No, it doesn't matter. Oh wow, he's getting to it. Doesn't matter. Uh, confidence. I like it. I mean, I mean, I, we, I'm have actually, be- we have, I'm the, we have, the, we have the best backup goalkeeper in the league. He's better than Kepa. So, no, he's not. Um, we uh, we the reason I'm picking Arsenal is not, not anything really to do with you guys. It's more to do with you know Crystal Palace. There, there's doubts over Mikhail Olise, Wilfred Zaha, James MacArthur. Yeah, Zaha and Olise just by themselves, that's like most of Crystal Palace's attack. I mean, Conor Gallagher will still be. But we have doubts over Tomiyasu and Bukayo Saka. You're not a. Yeah, but you guys have shown. But but that's why why I'm saying that you guys are going to win. Like, also, Saka looks like he's going to be fit. It's that Ramsdale is the real doubt. Yeah, we kept him out of the England squad for a reason. Yeah. I just think the the loss of Zaha and Elise is just like too much for also Palace. Leno. Literally, players Leno fit, proved maybe. in the last game, and I've been harsh on Leno because I want to say to to Leno, I'm sorry because you were probably our best player in the last couple of years. You've had fucking Mustafi. You've had David Luiz. You've had Hector Bellerin. You've had Nacho Monreal. You've had all these other fucking garbage cans who either passed it or don't know how to defend and. You've been our best player for the last few years, and I'm sorry that another goalkeeper who's better than you came along and took your spot, but when you came back in in this Villa game, like, he was heroic. He was man of the match, made a bunch of huge saves for us. His distribution was fantastic, and it's really rare to have two phenomenal goalkeepers in Leno and Ramsell, so even if Ramsell isn't in this game, I'm not... You know, going to be unhappy when Leno's in goal, and we're probably not going to have him next season. So this is this is very rare to have two wor- not world class but borderline world class goalkeepers. You know, eighty three, eighty fours in FIFA, maybe eighty five. I hate when you do this. When we're, I hate when you do this when we're running over because I want to call you on it, but at the same time, right, just Alex. give me your score prediction. I'm just going to say, all right, score prediction: Arsenal I, two one at Selhurst Park. Okay. It's the second. Stadium that we've won the most in Premier League history. Do you want to know what the first one is, Alex? Villa Park. Villa Park. You told so, me before. Between Villa Park and Selhurst Park, we win there a lot. You know? So I'm going to say 2-1 Arsenal. It's going to be hard. Patrick's going to give us a hard time, but he's going to let us win. He knows we need top four. We're getting this win for top four. 
And it would be a pretty big choke if we fucked it up at this point. So I'm going to say 2-1. It would be a monumental choke. And, you know, I'm not a very religious person anymore, but I will be praying on it. I'll be praying on your downfall. If we make top four, considering all the shit you talked earlier in this season. There's something about a good choke job that, like, it's really satisfying when it happens. Like, the the Europa League season. This is a... PG thirteen. You have no choice. You have no choice in the matter. <laughs> All right, everyone. If you want to follow Javier on Twitter and uh, you know give him a piece of your mind about his uh, the return of cocky Javier, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter Arsenal's and back, Instagram. Baby. We're the gods. At asmos92. You can follow the podcast socials at GhostGoldPod. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please go ahead and drop us a rating. If you can drop us a review, we'd appreciate that even more. Uh, All the new ratings and reviews help new listeners to find the pod. So anything you guys can do to help uh, us grow this thing, we'd love you and appreciate you for it. 300 episodes of 350 episodes of Cocky Javier. What else could you want? Not always, mostly not Cocky Javier, to be fair. Yeah, usually, <laughs> usually not Cocky Javier. Let's be fair. Exactly. But it's the return of Cocky Javier. What yeah, else could you right. want? Well, hey, Chris. See stop. how long it lasts. Chris, Chris, I know you're listening. Stop. Why are you doing this as I'm stop closing the pod? Stop being a fucking pod. god in fantasy. I need to catch up. <laughs> Thank you. Enjoy the games this weekend, guys. And until next time, see ya.